Hello, and welcome to the Abundant Life Church podcast and sermon archives. If you would like more information about our church, you can go online to alcalabaster.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you, and please enjoy this week's message. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. I'll give you a second to get there. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. For those of you that are note takers, um, I encourage you to take a lot of notes today. I'll be giving a a lot of um, Bible history, some things to go along, but it's going to all tie together in the end. I really think that God is going to do something great today. So Deuteronomy chapter 25, starting on verse 17, says, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt, how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail. Those who were lagging behind you, he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all of your enemies around you, in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven, and you shall never forget. So you can go ahead and be seated. I want to bring you a title today that will begin to make sense as we move on called Transition Brings Opposition. And so just a few weeks ago, we had Holiday Youth Convention. I know, where's our youth that went to Holiday Youth Convention? We had a great time, and I got to um, meet our speaker personally, Brother Jason Huckabee. Um, He's originally from Tennessee. He's just a good old country boy, but now he is in St. Louis pastoring up there. And um, just due to the position that I hold in the state um, as the youth department secretary, I get to entertain our speakers that come through for youth camps and for um, youth conventions and and even some of our non-related youth events. It's just a a byproduct of the preacher's got to eat and I'm the one that controls the money, so I got to take them out to eat. But I've become to cherish those times with men of God like that because when you, when you have conversations with men of God like that, that all they do is preach. That's, that's all they do is preach and study the Word. They Just in conversation with them, they drop these little nuggets of wisdom or these little things. And so I've begun to even when I go to dinner with these guys, we joke and we cut up a lot and we eat a lot. But I even take notes sometimes when I take them out to dinner because just the things they say. And every one of our speakers that comes through, they always pull our leadership team aside and they always give us a little word to the leadership team and they've preached their heart out and and kids have gotten saved and all these great things are happening but they always leave our leadership team with just a little something and so we were at the table with brother Huckabee and we had been joking around and he just kind of all of a sudden he was like you know I've had this thought this thing that I've been studying he said I've been talking to one of my mentors in my life and we had coffee the other day and He said, I've been studying this topic out in the Bible. And he said, I'd encourage you guys to study this out too. He said, this is just something that I've come across. And uh, he said, I think it would be of interest to you guys. And so, of course, I took my notes down and, you know, made some notes in my phone and said, yes, I'll I'll study that out. And little did I know that God would reveal some stuff to me from this. But he said, you know, we all know that the Old Testament 
was types and shadows of things to come in the New Testament. And Israel and God's chosen people were a representation of what we know as the New Testament church. And I said, yeah, that's correct. And he said, you know, it seems like every time there was a transition of power in the Old Testament or Israel was about to do something, they were always attacked. And I said, well, yeah, that, you know, if you read through Bible history, that, that lines up. And he said, I hadn't studied this out fully, he said, but I've been looking. He said, I think it was always the same people that attacked them. I said, well, that's very interesting if that's true. And so I got to studying in my devotion time, and, and I realized that, yes, that is true. Just about every time there was a transition of power in the Old Testament church in Israel, it was usually the Amalekites or Amalek or descendants of the Amalekites or the Amalekites partnered with somebody but the Amalekites always show up. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting, you know. And this is why I encourage you to not only read your Bible, but to study out your Bible. Because I'm like, this has to mean something if this always happens here. And so I got to studying. I got to studying. And the first time this happens is in the verse that I read. And Moses is instructing the people to blot out the memory of Amalek and the Amalekites. Say, so we're going wipe them out eventually where they won't even be known in the history books. Okay. Now, what had brought that on, like I said, this is the history part for you note takers, is that we all know when Moses led the people out of Egypt, right? We've all heard that story. And they get to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. We've done this in um, Sunday school, you know, with the flannel graph and all these kind of things. And then Egypt, you know, Pharaoh changes his mind. He comes back through and then the seas close on them, and God's people are saved, right? That's the story we all remember. But I don't remember in Sunday school them ever really talking about what happened immediately after that. Is Amalek, and the Amalekites came and attacked them. Now this was significant because they had just left Egypt. So they had walked a long way. They were fleeing the Egyptians. They didn't have weapons or anything like that. They were not prepared for this. And the Amalekites show up and take them by surprise. It's an ambush. And so they have to fend them off. They have to fight them out. But I noticed that this was a transition time because this was the first time in a long time that the Israelites were free. They were no longer slaves. This was a great transition period during their history. And the story goes that even though they were in no shape to fight, that Joshua would lead the people out, and we've heard the other Bible story where as long as Moses kept his hands raised above the people on the mountain, the Israelites would win. When his hands would get tired and he would let his hands down, the Amalekites would take back over. And so not only is this, like I said, a time of transition, but it also shows that this battle was won by supernatural Okay? This was not something the Israelites could do on their own. This was something that was won because Moses decided to appeal to God. He was praying over this because we all know prayer changes things. Prayer puts us in touch with the supernatural and allows us to overcome things that we normally could not overcome. And I thought, well, this is very interesting because I think back through my life, I think back through the history of the church, and there are times where we face battles, we face enemies that we cannot overcome by ourselves. There are certain things that can only be changed through the power of God. Now, a lot of things 
are just our fault. A lot of the messes we get ourselves into, we can change. It's a byproduct of decisions we've made or living. But sometimes you are going to face enemies and you're going to face things in your life that can only be conquered through prayer. They can only be conquered through a supernatural move of God. And so this was very interesting, but God's people survived that day because of a miracle, because Moses prayed and they prayed for victory. But I thought about this, that everybody is going to not only face an enemy at some point in their life that can only be defeated supernaturally, but every time that we get ready to transition in a level with God, when we start to seek after God to move up a level, so to speak, I want to go deeper in my walk with God. I want to start reading my Bible more. I want to start praying more. I want to get, I want to build a, a, big, a better relationship with God. That's when the enemy comes in. And it's usually always when we're exhausted, right? It's always when we're tired. I don't know about you, but every time I make New Year's resolutions or every time I make resolutions to change something, that's when I get sick or I'm tired or work starts getting, it it never fails, right? I'm going to wake up early and read my Bible more. What happens? Now the boss wants you in 30 minutes earlier. I was going to fast this week, and then what happens? Somebody brings you a pan of homemade brownies. It never fails, right? But that's what happens because the devil doesn't want to attack you when you're on fire for God. You know, we talk about the devil, what does the scripture say about a roaring lion? You know, he's looking for whom he may devour. And we take that as the devil being big and bad. But if you look at it, what do lions attack? They look for the stragglers. They don't look for the fastest ones in the herd. They're looking for the weak ones. They're looking for the ones that can't get away. And so that's what the devil does. He waits till you've gone through a trial and you've gone through a battle and you're like, thank you, God, for bringing me through this. There was no way I was going to make it on my own. And then it's just like that the devil comes in. He's like, I got him right where I want him. He's tired. He's weary. He's in no shape to fight spiritually. That's when we've got to rely on the power of God because when that happens, it's just like the Israelites. We're in a transition. So transition always brings opposition, but after the opposition becomes growth. And I feel like that that's where we're at right now is that we're going through a transitional period here at Abundant Life Church. We're trying to buy the building next door, and we've been fighting with the city, and we've been fighting with all these things, but if we can hold on for just a little bit, There's some growth coming after the transition. And I feel like there's some people today, you came into this place, and maybe not physically, but in your spirit, you are just worn down. You're just going through things that nobody else knows about, and you're like, God, please help me. I don't know if I can go another day living like this. I don't know if I can go through another week like what I've had. Just hang on. Because when you're down and you're weary, that's when something great is about to happen. When you are getting beat down and you're like, I just can't go on, that's when God's saying, just hold on a little bit longer because a transition is coming. Hang on just a little bit longer because there's some growth on the other side of this. Now, see, it would be nice if that was the only time the Amalekites showed up. But it wasn't the end. Even though they were defeated, They were not wiped out. So we find again in the book of 1 Samuel with King Saul, story of King Saul, who was newly elected in the first king of Israel. So 
we have another transition because this is the first time Israel will be ruled as a king. This is something much different than what they were used to. So a time of transition. What was Saul instructed to do? To carry out the prophecy of Moses to go and wipe out the Amalekites. Moses said, you are the one. We haven't forgotten what they did to us years ago coming out of Egypt. We've been holding on that memory. And Saul, there's been a transition of power. You're the man now. You're the one that God has called to do this. We will be free from this. But we all know the story. There was supposed to be everything destroyed. No spoils, no riches. It said, the Bible even said, kill everyone. No living being. If they are from the generation of the Amalekites, if they are part of that tribe, they should be killed. Bring nobody back. But what does Saul do? Disobeys. King Saul was supposed to fulfill that commandment, yet when the prophet finally gets down, he says, what is that I hear? I hear animals bleeding. I see things coming back. I thought the instructions were everything to be destroyed. And Saul starts to give the excuse of, well, I wanted to save the best because we would offer these animals up as sacrifices and we would do this with them and that's a whole nother message to get into. But a lot of times what we fail to mention is he also brought somebody back with him. He didn't just bring the animals back. Brother Edwards, he brought the king back. King Agag. Who just so happened to be king of the Amalekites at that time. So the instructions were to destroy everyone, especially the king, but he brings the king back. So Saul is chastised from this. He loses the right for his family to carry on the tradition of king. He is punished. And Samuel, the prophet, says, I'll go out and kill him myself. I will go out and kill the king of the Amalekites myself because I want to make sure that this is taken care of. I want to be sure this is taken care of. But here's the problem. Before King Agag was killed, he was able to have a child to pass on the heritage, the lineage of the Amalekites. So even though King Agag was killed, that lineage continued on. Now, very something... Very something very important to remember here. Because as soon as the next transition happened, which we know is David becoming king after Saul, right before that was supposed to happen, does anybody remember the story about Ziggag or Ziglag? Where David's family was raided. As David was out fighting on behalf of King Saul, the Amalekites shows up again at a transition of power. They show up and it says that they take all of the women and children. They take everything from David. And he gets back and the camp is empty. And it was the Amalekites. Just as David is about to take over as king. Transition always brings an opposition. But see, we can't skip over the fact that if Saul would have just done what he was supposed to, David would have never had to battle the Amalekites to begin with. 
When God tells you to remove something from your life, you better remove it 100%. You see, when it comes time for you to transition, all of us will transition out. One day there will be a new pastor here. One day there will be a new past, a youth pastor here. I plan on Abundant Life Church being around for a while. There's going to be some transitions happen. And what we can't do is when the next guy comes in, he's having to fight battles and enemies that should have already been defeated. You say, when the next youth pastor comes in after me, I can't leave a mess for him to clean up. Because God has instructed me to take care of some things so the next guy can fight his own battles. There's some things in my life I've got to take care of so that my children don't have to go through. There's some things that I've got to take care of personally so my children don't have to grow up fighting those things. When God instructs you to remove something from your life, remove it and don't go back to it. David would have had a much better start to being king if he wouldn't have had to deal with that in the first place. Transitions are always going to be tough. But don't make it harder than it already is. See, God's here to deliver us from whatever has been attacking us. But we have to make sure that we remove it completely. When God delivers you from something, don't go back to it. That should be it. Leave it alone. I believe this is where Abundant Life Church is. I'll say it again. I believe we're trying to expand next door. Our ministries are growing but there's always going to be some opposition to growth. But I believe 2020, we're looking at unparalleled growth. I believe I'm claiming miracles and things to happen in this church that we never thought possible. We're at that transition period because we've been beat down. We've been weary. We've been going, God, is this really the direction we need to be going? God, is this really what we're supposed to be doing? I believe God said, if you can just make it through this, I will blow your mind at what I'm going to do right after this. You see, Satan never attacks those that he does not fear. If we were content just to keep doing what we're doing and just maintain, we wouldn't have any problems around here. We could just maintain. Satan would be perfectly fine with that. But when we start talking about expansion, when we start talking about growth, that gets his attention. If you want to grow, there will be an opposition. But see, again, David was not the last encounter with the Amalekites. Remember King Agag, who Saul spared long enough just for him to father a child. Over 500 years later, 500 years later, this problem still exists because a descendant of King Agag would be the man we know as Haman, the Agai, who plotted to annihilate the Jewish people in the story of Queen Esther. You see, we talk about Haman and we talk about that story in Sunday school, but we don't realize you can trace that all the way back to King Saul. And hundreds and hundreds of years later, they are still facing this same problem because he, one man didn't do what he was supposed to. But if you go back and you read the story of Esther, this was only by the miraculous power of God that Haman's plan was dismantled. If you go back and read that story, it was only an act of God that saved them. But again, this was a time of transition for the Jewish people. This was a big deal for them. 
But we can learn from this transition with Esther is that when it feels like people are plotting against you and you are all alone, God knows what he's doing. When you feel like I am all alone in this, God, I, everybody is opposed to me. He's saying, just hold on. There's a transition coming. Just hold on. I know, Esther, you can't see what's on the other side of this, but just wait. Just wait till you are made queen. Just wait till what this will mean for God's people. Transition brings opposition, but through opposition we have growth. We have to fight through the opposition by faith. It's not something we can do on our own. It's not a battle that we can win physically. It's something that happens in the spiritual realm. Because after every transition and defeat of the enemy, you can go back in history and find where God's people flourished after that. After every time they made it into the promised land, their lands grew, their people grew, their nation grew every time. I believe here at Abundant Life Church, again, we are set for unprecedented growth. I believe we're on the tail end of opposition. This transition in God is going to exceed our expectations. I can't wait till next week when Brother Roberts can reveal the things that happened with getting the building next door because it was truly miraculous things. It was truly miraculous things that God did for us. And that lets me know, all right, we're, we're almost through this. We're almost through the time of just getting by and scraping by because we're, re- we're headed for a revival now. We're headed, for our, we're headed to flourish now. But we have to go back a little bit and ask ourselves, just who was Amalek and the Amalekites? You see, this is what interested me the most about this story is I went back and, and read and I see where all the battles happened. I see where all the transitions happened and all that lines up. But I never really studied out where did Amalek even come from in the first place? Who were the Amalekites? Why were, they, why were they directly opposed to Israel? Why were they directly opposed to God's people? Just who were they? When you find this out, it makes everything line up. You see, we go all the way back to a man named Eliphaz, who was the son of Esau. Everybody remembers Jacob and Esau, right? And his concubine, Timnah, had a child named Amalek. So Amalek is traced all the way back to Jacob and Esau. Now this is very important because we go back to the story of Jacob and Esau and we know that how Jacob basically stole the birthright or tricked Esau out of the birthright. And again, there's a whole other message in that. But that's what happened. And so Esau vows. He said, this is going to be my life is I will avenge this. He makes the declaration, this will be my life to kill Jacob. And Jacob was on the run for the entire time. And that's what Esau and his people, the Edomites, that's what, that's what their thing was, is we must get revenge on Jacob. So where does Amalek come into this? Because Jacob and Esau, we find out, in the later years end up making up, right? They end up being okay. They forgive each other. So where does Amalek fit into this? Because Amalek was still a child while Jacob and Esau were in a feud against each other. So imagine growing up in a household 
where your entire tribe, your entire existence was focused around taking out Jacob. Now, if we remember, Jacob went on to be head of Israel, right? That's where Israel was formed from. So we're starting to put the pieces together. Imagine growing up as a child and you hear over and over from your grandfather Esau of how Jacob cheated him out of the birthright, how he was going to kill Jacob, how he was going to do this to Jacob, how he was going to wipe out Jacob's existence and Jacob's people. Imagine growing up is that. That's what you're exposed to day after day after day. And so Amalek grows up with this. And so that's where his hatred of the Israelites came from. That's where his hatred of Jacob's lineage came from. So we know the history, but there's a very, very important lesson here. Parents, please listen to me. It matters not just what you tell your children, what you show your children, and what you talk about when they're around. Because Amalek grew up hearing this. Mm. So when your children grow up in your household and they hear you constantly criticizing the church does this, the pastor does this, I can't believe they do this. I figured it would get quiet. What are you telling your children when all they hear is criticism of the men of God and of the church? What are you telling your children when we live a different lifestyle than what the preacher preaches, than what their Sunday school teacher teaches? What about when their youth pastor has a lesson and you go home and say, well, that really doesn't matter? I know they said that's in the scripture, but that doesn't really apply to us. That's how you end up with an Amalek. Be careful what you are teaching your children when you don't even realize it. I have learned this from Sophia, even at five years old. Me and Elizabeth, we got to be careful what we say now because she will repeat stuff. She was on the other end of the house. How did she even know I said that? We have ice cream. All I said was I would like to go to the grocery store and buy some ice cream. You were out in the backyard. How did you hear me talk about ice cream? Amen. Be careful what you are telling your children. Be careful the example you are giving them because they are paying attention. Don't let your children grow up with you telling them all the things the church is doing wrong or how the pastor hurts your feelings. Whether church is important or not. One conversation can tear down all the respect your kids had for leadership. One conversation, one criticism of a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, a youth pastor, a pastor, can completely shape the mind of your young person in your household and what they think about the church. You see, Amalek... He didn't chase the Israelites down as a teenager. This happened way on down the line, but he heard it from somewhere. He heard it from somewhere. So to wrap all this up and bring it all together, I want to close with some faith. I want to close with some encouragement because I feel strongly, I, I really do, 
because just some things that have been going on in my life, things that I know have been going on in the church. There are some people that are on the verge of a transition. There are people that have been battling and battling and battling things. I've come to tell you today, let God take over that. It's time to let God fight the battle because there's some things you're going through, you're just not going to fix them on your own. Just like every time the Amalekites attack, go back, they always won by a supernatural move of God. They, all, they were never prepared. They was always attacked when they were weary. They was always attacked when they were down, and God always stepped in. So as they get ready to play today and sing, and we're beginning to get ready for our altar service to happen, that's what I want you to take some time today and think. You know, have I been trying to win this thing on my own? Have I been trying to overcome these things on my own? Is these the things... You know, I've been fighting this forever and it's just not working out. Maybe I need to step back and let God take over for a minute. Maybe I need to step back and say, God, I am too weary to do this on my own. God, I am too tired to do this on my own. I need your help. I need your help because I want to go further. I don't want this to be my life forever. I'm not content where I'm at. I am not content where I'm at. I'm looking for Abundant Life Church to not only grow physically or numerically, but I'm looking for spiritual growth this year. We, we talked about commitment and new service Wednesday night and recommitting for the year. And so I've got some sheets. I'll, I'll put them out. Some of y'all may have seen the post online. It made up some prayer guides and some Bible reading guides. We shared them on social media. I have some printouts for here. And I got to thinking... You know, a lot of times we make excuses of we don't have time or we don't have this. But we really do. I think it was if you spent nine minutes out of your day in prayer, if you just took nine minutes, we all have nine minutes. I'm not even asking for ten. I'm just saying nine minutes. Do you know if you took nine minutes a day and prayed, that's 55 hours in a year you spent in prayer? From just nine minutes a day, every day. If you add that and you double it and say nine minutes for Bible reading, I'm going to study and read for nine minutes. I'm going to pray for nine minutes. That's 18 minutes out of your day. That's 110 hours you spent with God outside of church. Because that's where our spiritual growth is going to come from. We've got to get to the point where it's not, I'm just waiting for Sunday. I'm not just waiting for Wednesday, but I've got to have a touch from God now. I've got to start building that relationship. Because I'm in a battle and I need to be holding my arms up like Moses. God, give me the strength to overcome this. So if we could all stand here today, that's where our battles are going to be won. And trust me, I'm speaking from experience. There are things in my life that I've tried to overcome on my own. Oh, well, I can handle that. I can take care of that. And I ended up just running myself in circles. And finally, I got tired and said, you know what, God? You're going to have to deal with this one. God, I realize this is not something physical. This is a spiritual battle that I'm in. And the only way I'm going to get it, the only way I'm getting victory over this is through devotion. It's prayer and Bible reading. 
If we want that transition to happen, if we want to make it to the next level, that's what we've got to say is for 2020, I am growing spiritually because if we grow spiritually, everything else falls into place. When you start, there have been things happen. I, I can't wait to, I'm going to have to take some time and testify about this in the next couple of weeks. There, some of you know we've been building a house, trying to sell a house. There are things that happened this morning that are miraculous things with that situation. There are things that since I said, you know what, God, I'm taking time and putting you first in everything this year. God, I'm putting my prayer life ahead of everything else. I'm putting, there, God has been blowing my mind with things that have happened already this year. We're not even halfway through the month yet, and God's already done things. Things I never thought possible. So if that's where you're at, if you ended 2019 like me, where you felt like I did everything I could, but I was just spinning wheels. I felt like I had it in four-wheel drive and in low and foot on the gas, and I went absolutely nowhere, still stuck in the mud. If that's where you're at, if that's where you finished 2019, then I encourage you to make 2020 something different. Change some things in 2020 and say, you know what? It's about God in 2020. It's not about what I can do. It's only through prayer. It's only through for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online to www.alcalabaster.com and don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so that you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and have a great week.